Welcome to Mama Talk Talks, A Different Take, a podcast where everyday people around the globe share a different take on everyday issues. I'm your host, Abi Mambo, and I'm pleased you're joining us today. Welcome. Hi, everyone, and welcome again to another fabulous edition of Mama Talk Talk. I'm your host, Abi Mambo, and I'm thrilled to have you all listening in today. It is not the best of circumstances, but it doesn't matter what's going on in life. We have to learn to keep it cheery and keep it positive. And to help me keep my positive game on, I brought on board the queen of positive, my aunt Imelda. And we'll dive right into it. But, you know, Auntie, welcome to the show. And can you just go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience? Okay. Thank you, my daughter, Eba. I am very thrilled to have been invited to your show. And uh, I think it's definitely a good thing. I am um, Dr. Emelda Tinglet for Manka. I'm an instructor. I've been teaching over the past 28 years in institutions of higher learning here in the United States. I will call myself an entrepreneur, a philanthropist, and I currently do blogging uh, just to disseminate what I know from an educational standpoint to others uh, if I find that information something that is relevant. I am a mother of four children and, as a matter of fact, a mother of many. Uh, Michelle Angle, Stacey Angle, Chelsea Angle, and Urban Angle. But the rest of the entire world are all my children, just like you are, my daughter. Thank you. I love that. Your verb is already coming through. You know, as I was telling you when we connected yesterday about this, I really, it's strange what's going on in the world right now. And it's so easy to get into that coronavirus mindset. And really just kind of going to a dark place. So I don't want to go there today. And so you're like my special optimism, positivity wand. And I really want the audience to get some of that flavor of you. So you talked about doing many things, being a mother, you're a wife, you're a philanthropist. And see, one of the things I have always loved about you is that no matter what's going on, you come out, you have a smile on your face, you dress (laughs) fabulously. And you just live life like there's no tomorrow. Where do you get that from? Well, in all honesty, I have a belief that if you allow circumstances or situations wear you down, you will be a subject of that particular situation. So in an effort to get past all of that, I maintain all you've described. For instance, uh, being always cheerful, not taking things as they present themselves, but granted, I actually consider them critically. For instance, the situation at hand right now, which is Corona, I know very well that, hey, it's something that is killing. We know very well the impact and implications of it, but that should not wear you down. Continue your life with precaution, making sure that you adhere to some of the things that they've advised you to. For instance, I did do a little video on that, on how we can help eliminate the spread of it. So that alone just tells you that With me, if there is a situation that is um, somehow devastating in my life or something that is challenging in my life, I take those challenges and learn from it and then put on a different face that can be able to resolve whatever the situation is at hand. And that has always been my own premise in life. I don't allow even circumstances that are challenging to me to be perceived and or viewed out there as something that's going to derail my, my thought process or the path that I'm going in life. If you give yourself to any challenge, then that challenge is going to overweigh you. I've never been that person that I believe anything is challenging to me. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, 
What I'm wondering is, is it your default position or do you have to work at it? Well, uh, to an extent, I've decided to, well, we can say it's a default position, but over the years, I have worked towards being who I am right now, yeah. which I pretty much like where I'm at. I'm probably not at the best person uh, position. I'm not a millionaire. I'm not a trillionaire. I'm far-fetched from that, but I'm comfortable. So comfortability, my comfort zone is what I really want, and I don't want to be tampered with by anything. That said, irrespective of what's happening, be it my past life of multiple divorces to a point where now I'm currently married to a fabulous husband of mine who really cherishes me, Mr. Basil Fomanka, without which I would have still tried to maintain the status quo, uh, making sure that life doesn't take me to a direction that I never planned it to be. So it's something that I've grown up to say, I will make myself to be who I am rather than live up to the name of others. So in that effect, I'm working towards making, at least building up my own identity like you're doing my daughter. So yeah. I would like to be me and not to be referenced to as, oh, the niece of a chumbo, or I am this or that person. I want to be me. You're your own light, yeah. You know, you just plunged us right into your past. And I think we'll come to that because I think what makes you so fabulous to me is that you don't run away from your history. Your history is actually a huge part of why you are the way you are today. And a lot of us want to actually take our history and chuck it in the back somewhere and lock it up. And instead you breathe life in it and through it and you come right through and you just said something that's so empowering. You said, I'm married. I think you said the third husband. And right. then you said, but if he hadn't come along, I'd have kept doing what I was doing. And absolutely, I, that is so fabulous. That is just so fabulous. Sure. Let me just interject real quick in regards to that. The thing there is, you, again, just trying to emphasize on the fact that situations should not wear you down. I currently, I am blessed with the husband that I have. Without him, life would have still continued. Implying that to all the women that are out there, to all, even the men that are out there, they go through challenges as well. Yep. If a situation is one that is wearing you down, let that situation go past, pray over it, and go about and heal over whatever that particular situation or circumstance is. Stand up, stand tall. Keep moving. You cannot let a situation wear you down to a point where it's going to reflect even your, in your own daily activities or your own physical exposure. Because let me tell you something. If I'm walking out there, I look like I am dying or things are really that bad. As, as the saying goes, 99% of the people who are out there who see me will look at it like, oh, a melder is going through this trouble. Maybe only 1% will be concerned. So why should I expose my problems out there? Yeah. The fact that you see me every day cheerful, my daughter, it does not mean that life goes that smooth. But you need to learn how to overcome some of those challenges and not make that be uh, something that would be used to define you. So when you have this big personality, and you're absolutely right, I think one of the things about you is when you come out, you are who you are and people will meet you as you are. And so you're vibrant, you're positive. So we don't get to see the dark side or the challenges. So how do you balance that? Because we come from a culture where growing up, 
A lot of times we were told not to air our dirty laundry in public. But what we were not told to do was the alternative. The laundry is there. You've got to wash it somewhere. And if it's not in public and there's a reason you can't do it in private, where do you go to get that space where you can deal with the issues we all have in our lives? Well, I would say that my therapists have kind of guided me through this. And I know when I mentioned therapy or something therapeutic, <laughs> people look at it like, oh my gosh, that's just a taboo within the African community. Yeah. We go through challenges. We need to reach out to somebody that will be able to even just listen to us and look at it from a different perspective and guide you. So you can look at me and see that I'm very vibrant and I'm doing all of this. There is a side of me that many people don't know, but let me focus more on the therapeutic side. And when I have these challenges, if I don't have anybody to reach out to, we do have some of these resources out there. Our insurances cover us, uh, cover therapy, you know, social workers, people that can just live, or marriage counselors. I'll say that because I've gone to many of those. And <laughs> even anger management, anger management experts. I'm telling you, I have it all. But I will just throw out something out there that my, my anger management expert told me that, hey, let me tell you something. When you are here and you are angry about something, the effect or whatever you do, the precaution or the repercussions will be on your part. If you don't handle your anger well, it's going to come after you. So you are the only one who has to walk away from that situation and take life differently as opposed to staying inside the situation that is making you angry. That also mm. applies to my therapeutic side. When I reach my therapist, which most people feel like, oh, Imelda, the way she looks, as tough as she, she exudes herself, she really doesn't need a therapist. No, I'm a human being like anybody else. There are situations that can drain me, but yeah. I need to reach out to somebody who is an expert to help me out, guide me on the path that I, it will keep me sane. My sanity is needed for my children and my entire family. So that's the route that I take. I don't allow anybody be able to control how my feelings are. Considering that I'm literate enough to the extent that I am, I should know that these resources are out there. The one thing is being motivated to go and seek for these resources and whatever they guide you, it's always good that you filter because not everything they tell you will be able to be practiced. Oh, yeah. So I've done that all along and I've tried to maintain that in an effort to at least just keep my sanity. So you've touched on a number of things that the very deeply traditional side of me is like, wait, what? Therapy? Uh, <laughs> divorces and marriage, which, you know, unfortunately, or as it were, it's not even unfortunately, it is what it is. I'm divorced and I've had to navigate that journey, right? And it's never easy for you, but it's never easy for your family either. And so for you, just walk me a little bit through what, the first time you got divorced, what that was like versus maybe the second time? Well, it was a challenge. As, uh, going through my first divorce, I will tell you no lie, it was definitely a challenge. Coming from an African cultural background, the general belief is that you stay in the situation irrespective of what it is yes. and um, suck it up or handle it the best of your ability and stay there. When it came to being that I have to divorce, and uh, mark you, it has to be made known, I did not initiate it, so you know definitely it's challenging. Of course, that was the most difficult and devastating moment in my life. 
So being who I am, I see absolutely no reason. I don't think in this world I was born to live by myself because first of all, that's something I'm battling with. I just cannot do, I've never lived by myself. And mm. I can expand on that later if you're interested in it. Yeah. So during my first divorce, like I said, it was challenging. In all honesty, before that divorce was even over, I was married again. Because again, considering that I cannot live alone, that was already a devastating. Maybe somebody would say, oh, it was vulnerability that I made myself exposed to a second marriage. Whatever it is, it wasn't what it is. But I wouldn't think it was vulnerability or it was just a matter of getting married a second time. Because my first marriage was 16 years. The second marriage was 10, 11 years. And that did not work out for whatever the reasons or the arrangements were for the second marriage. I don't want to go delve deep into that. Yeah. But then, then I got into a third one, which there's a saying that three is a charm. So um, <laughs> this is it. This is really it. I mean, you have to, first of all, make believe that it is what it is. Yes. Uh, being married early on in life, like between my 18, I started courting. By 20, I was married. I was whisked into this country. And right there, meaning I didn't leave my teenage age. Growing up being somebody who was all book, if you want to call it, yeah. I, in essence, I did not leave my life. I believe that I am who I am right now with my first husband. I would have been would have never gone anywhere in terms of a divorce. I literally did not know anything. Got into a marriage, started having kids. The challenges of life pretty much overwhelmed me. And whatever the situation is at that time, the marriage did not last. Then you got into the second one, hoping that, oh, wow, let this work. And for whatever reason, again, um, it did not work out. Reason, again, still reserved. If need be, they can be exposed. I am really an open book. I don't mind saying anything because I really don't think anything impedes me from saying what I'm saying about myself. Yeah. So long as you're talking about yourself, you need no rights from anybody to give you the chance. So in any event, all those two marriages that I divorced from, I regret it, no doubt, because it hurts the family. It, uh, but at the end of the day, it matters about you. Yeah. How happy are you? Uh, do you want to stay in a relationship that you are not enjoying it or that Whatever you show out there to your children, it's not welcoming. So it's always good to pick up, you know, don't cry over spill milk. Get up, pick up yourself and keep going and just put everything in prayers. Remember, God is the only one that's going to open the doors for you. And I think it's pretty much God who's directing my path. If God felt like, okay, this is the time that it's going to have to stop. In addition to what I do to maintain that relationship, mm -hmm. it will stay. So people should not just embark on prayers and say, oh, I'm praying to God. God will bring me a husband. God will keep me in this marriage. No, you have to work. God, yeah. God will direct you on the right things to do in an effort to maintain the marriage. So that has been what has happened over time. I know it's difficult, but from where I come from, it's definitely a taboo divorcing in those days. Maybe yeah. this time around, it's not the case. But again, ask anybody else, again, pick up yourself and keep going. Be positive. Stay upright, stay focused, have a goal, and you will continue moving and stay at least sane for your family. That's so powerful. And one of the things I really want to talk to you about is this notion of shame, right? So mm -hmm. I'll put it in some context for you. I was in the U.S. for your bridal shower on the boat. Because right? <laughs> you don't do anything halfway. Oh, um, no. <laughs> and... Um, and I, I missed the wedding because I was back here. But I saw pictures. 
And how many bridesmaids did you have? Hey, I had 12. You had 12. <laughs> and my mom was yes. one of them. Absolutely. And That's my cousin. That's one my of cousin. the things that, you know, just from all the way in Singapore, watching that, I was thinking to myself, the phrase that comes to mind when I think about you and I thought about your special day was you live out loud, right? Not Absolutely. noisy, but like you, you, you command life. I feel like there are people who life kind of directs and the people who direct life. And you're more in the category of people who direct life. Um, right. When I watched that, I, I thought to myself, so many times women are told things like, and it's less so now than before, women are told things like, if it's the second time, why are you wearing white? If it's the second time, why are you making all this noise? If it's the second time, why are you inviting all these people? Why are you having such a party? This was your third time, and it was yes. probably one of the biggest weddings of the year. And I thought, okay, I need some of what she has because you've taken what we force onto people in the form of shame and you've put it in the bucket and said, it's not my portion. Absolutely. Let me tell you, my daughter, you just hit the nail right on the top of it when the nail is hot. Check this out. I, I am somebody that shame does not exist in my dictionary. There are certain <laughs> words in the dictionary that I don't have and I don't want to have them. Shame, poverty, Hey, I'm not a billionaire, but I'll live <laughs> as somebody who is so rich. I make myself comfortable. I am not angry. I don't, honestly, I don't have an enemy. I will, uh, I don't want to sway here, but I don't have an enemy. If anybody is an enemy of mine, it's that person. I am not angry with anybody. So let's go back to the shame part of it. I believe that. If you're going to do something, you do it and do it large, okay? If you want to drive a car, drive the best car. Why do you work? If you want oh to my eat, gosh. eat the this best, is, yeah. <laughs> leave, leave large. Yes, indeed. If it so happens and it requires that I do it again, um, lo and behold, it's not going to happen because I think I've met my match and I'm praying to God that this is really it. Otherwise, at that time, my next wedding, believe me, it's going to be in the sky. I'm just going to say it as it is. That's just me. That is definitely just me. Anybody who wants to take a situation and try to just dwell with it or in the situation, you are wasting your time. Step out of that and keep going. Life goes on with or without the circumstances. You're going to keep leaving. Do you now? I cannot sit there and be depressed because, oh, I've been divorced once or two times. Oh, I had comments. Even right during my uh, bridal shower in the boat, people ask questions. They ask questions that I went right after them, not necessarily derogatory per se, but I responded from the heart. I said, you know what? At any point in time, if it so happens, I will continue moving. You can call me a Margaret Thatcher of the Cameroonian community. It's okay. But I have to live my life the way I want to keep me satisfied. If I fall down today and die in two seconds, all of you, even you, my daughter, you'll forget about me. So why don't I live the life to the mm. fullest, to the best mm. of my ability? And that's where I got my vibes from. I am not an introverted person. You can see I'm highly extroverted. Considering that I've been an instructor over time, I know very well that I, need, I have to be a go-getter. If I, and yes, you're quite right, I do command things to happen. So in essence, if people are looking up to me, you have to come up with positivity in life. I have a lot of followers who kind of like cherish, just like you are cherishing the way I do things. It's an inspiration to those people not to take a situation that has been devastating over time and dwell on it. No, just rub it off, scrub it off, and just keep moving. 
And so that when you do that, God will look at you like, okay, this person is not dwelling in the past. Let me give this person an opportunity to see themselves shine. If I was d- dwelling on those things during my first divorce, I might have been dead right now. But I smile every day, yeah. continue laughing, and that's how life has been. Yeah. No, it, this is exactly what I needed for this point in the week with everything okay, that's going on. You. <laughs> you know, Stevie and I talk about you a lot, and we'll go, we're having like one of those days, we'll go online and say, let's just pull up Auntie Melda's pictures. Because, you know, I think there aren't a lot of women, especially from our part of the world, who have been given permission or who have taken it upon themselves because even the notion of permission is problematic but who've taken it upon themselves to live their lives according to how they see fit right we are communal creatures by nature and especially at a time like this you think about that but there is also a suffocating quality in that where the individual loses themselves in the community and I think a time like now is time for community, but every time is not time for community. You have to find that, like you said, in your marriage, if you're the one who is unhappy, now you didn't say you want, you're in there by yourself. Um, Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So when you... So my daughter, it's all that glitters is not gold. Mm. I would like to drop this in so that uh, it's a side of me that except you are a family member and you will, before you will really know that about me. Sometimes a, a lot of us, when you see the way somebody presents themselves, it's probably because they're trying to utilize that particular facet to make things, to either camouflage things or to to satisfy themselves. If yeah. you want to say that in my case, then that will be fine because I also go through challenges. Even now, who says that there's no problem or there's any perfect marriage? Marriage is not a basket full of roses, as we know. But that said, considering that you look at me from the outward side and you see me, I am all jovial, flamboyant, you want to call it, whatever way you want to call it, I accept it. It's because I go through those struggles. For instance, uh, one case in point, I am personally not a person that can go out in public settings by myself. I don't know if it's fear, but from my therapist, they've gone through an analysis that a lot of what I am doing is to overcome some of those challenges that uh in me they are pretty much ingrained to that extent but i'm fighting to get it out and they're encouraging me to get it out one of the major challenge is not being able to go like to a party i can't go to a party by myself even if i drive there by myself i will call a friend who's inside to now come and then we'll walk in together i don't know why wow even going to a restaurant i don't go to restaurants by myself to the extent where when i explained this to my therapist at one point she took me to a movie theater. We sat in there. She left that she's going to the restroom and never came back. That was the most frightful moment I've ever had in my life. Really? I mean, that's when I saw how tense I could be. It's not like the movie had a problem to a point where when I went outside to check on her, she said, no, she did it deliberately just so that I should learn. And this was actually after my first divorce. She wanted me to learn how to be by myself, to learn how to be me, yeah. to learn how to not rely on a man, to learn how to not rely on the companionship of a man or anybody or buddy or anything around me. Considering that I came to the United States at 18, at 20 or 20 or so, got married right way back in Cameroon during my 18 years. At 20, I'm here. By 22, I started having a child. From then till today, I've never lived alone for one minute. It, it, it doesn't work out. So I always like people around me it's just to cover up. And so there is still that side of me that is there. But oh. when I step out in the open, 
it gives me that strength and energy to exude what you're seeing out there that, mm. oh, my auntie is this person, she's fearless, or whatever the case may be. But everybody has something within them that is challenging, that they're keeping to themselves. But I would tell everybody that if you find that, find a way to resolve it by reaching out to people who are experts. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I know Africans don't even believe in marriage counseling or even going to therapy or an anger management expert. These are illnesses. These are things that are detrimental in our lives. But I'm somebody who has learned as an educator that if you do have a challenge, go to whoever is an expert. I'm a subject matter expert in data analytics. If somebody needs something to be analyzed, they're going to come to me. So why can't I give that audience to whoever is an expert in the healthcare arena to help me out heal through this process? So that has been my philosophy over time. You know, there's something in that whole paradox between being very out there and present and vibrant and flamboyant and the side of you that doesn't want to be left alone, who doesn't want to be alone. Have you, have you ever gotten to a point in your journey where you've understood the difference? Is it that you cannot be alone or you don't want to be alone? It's both. Okay. It's more of I cannot be alone. And when I say that, people will look at it like, okay, that might be the reason why she's always looking at getting married. She's been married one, two or three times. Uh, But over the years, coming from a polygamous home, Mm. I am the third out of 20-something children, which means that I grew up in a family setting. And we all know how that goes. My father had five wives. And being the third child in the family, I've always lived with my, my sisters, my brethren, my brothers. So somehow I grew up knowing very well that being alone has, I've never been alone, honestly. If you really ask me, when have you been alone? Maybe the time I was flying from Cameroon to the United States, which was also another ordeal on its own, being in a confined kind of a plane, you call it, that I've never been before. So again, I just cannot be alone. And in addition to that, I don't want to be alone because I've been so attuned and used to people around me, my children. To to some extent, I don't want to let them go, but at the end of the day, they have to go. But thank God for the fact that he has sent somebody to me, my husband now, Basil Famanka, who is going to be my life partner, praying that be the case. And I'm working hard for it because prayers alone don't work. You've got to put this prayers to work. So I'm working towards maintaining and sustaining that. But lo and behold, if it doesn't happen, let me tell you, that's not going to derail me from going again. (laughs) <laughs> and I, it, I apologize, but hey, it is what it is. It has not happened before and life went on. So I'm not going to sit there and suffer over it. So it's both of them. I can't be alone. I don't want to be alone. I think wow. more of the second. I really don't want to be alone because, again, I don't think you should really be alone. So that at least there should be somebody who can see you through certain things or that you can help them as well. So one kind of train of thought, and this is psychology, which I'm not trained in, one kind of train of thought a lot of people have is people who don't want to be alone and people who are not comfortable with being with themselves. Mm -hmm. So for you, is that true for you? Yes, it is true. People who have been used to being with other people are not comfortable being alone. Uh, I will tell you, for instance, like right now, my husband and I always go somewhere or you see me with my kids or you Mm. see me with some friends. To a point where I'm realizing that I'm beginning to lose my children. Like my daughter got married. Um, the other ones are grown. My son, when I tell him that, hey, let's go to one of my meetings, they don't want to go, which implies <laughs> that 
I'm literally by myself. Yeah. I cannot be all around my husband a thousand and one time. Yeah. So he too has things that he has to do by himself. So I've wound up creating groups. For instance, I have a group of friends that I call quintessential queens. And there's so many meetings that I, I, I'm into in just in an effort to be amongst people. Mm. Some people ask me, where do you get the energy to handle all this engagement? That's the way that I find my own comfort amongst people. And I believe that I just cannot be alone. I really cannot. But I don't want that to be taken as a vulnerable side of me, whereby when somebody sees me alone, they plunge right in and say, okay, you know what? Let me try to be part of those. I am not just that stupid at all. Nobody will think I'm stupid anyway. Yeah, I can pretty much evaluate those circumstances and I can uh, be able to... uh, with those that I believe have ulterior motives per Mm -hmm. se and uh, whatever the case may be. So people should not just look at me as at any point in time, say, okay, now she's vulnerable. There's nobody around her. No, I'm still saying that much to be able to dissect situations and come up with something valid out of it. I love that you're just putting the warning out there in case anybody's thinking about (laughs) this. You're like, oh, oh, yeah. (laughs) Honestly, my daughter, we have to. The reason why we do this, we want to do this because people should not take advantage of people. And when people come in a certain situation, people want to take advantage of it and then exploit or whatever the case may be, be it female or male. There will be situations where I've seen where a woman is going through a divorce, let's say, and their friends, female friends are coming along in an attempt to console them. But practically, they're coming there because at their vulnerable stage, this woman can do but anything, give but anything out. Oh, no, I'm too sane for that. So I'm not saying that my (laughs) friends, if I do have any, uh, my friends are really my children and my sisters. I wouldn't tell you that day, this person is really my diehard girlfriend. No, because I want to keep my friendship within the house. So my sisters, primarily Immaculate and Magdalene, are my best friends. Immaculate serving as my mother and my friend. Then my daughters, I have mostly girls and one son. They are all my friends. So uh, I I don't give room for people to come in and try to to take such advantage because, again, I'm too savvy and too sane to allow that. And I believe if, if you have that in mind, that you will have your trend towards achieving whatever goal you're directing yourself towards achieving the goal that you have in life. So, Auntie, at your at the boat party, I'm not sure <laughs> what you were asked, but you got on the mic, and I remember this part. You said something about, you know, if you think you're too old to get a man, that's your problem. You have to figure out... What? Yeah, you have to figure out what works for you, and it's all in your own mind. I mean, you came out like, because it was a segment where they asked the bright questions and things. Yeah. And I just remember you saying that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. My daughter, let me tell you what happened. Uh, There were quite a slew of questions that were being asked. Don't get me wrong. And some of them got me all all fired up. (laughs) Some of them, I kind of like played it up. But yeah, the ones that really stand out, which could be more uh, informative to other women. Yeah. um, One of them said, well, I've gone through these marriages. Somebody even um, made reference to Margaret. I don't know. Whoever the person is. Not necessarily just Margaret Thatcher. That's what people call me. But Elizabeth Taylor, uh, I believe because she's been married several times. So when that came up, um, I I kind of became very, very frantic to an extent. I got up and I said, let me tell you, I will continue to go. I believe that 
the third time is a charm as it is. Of course, this is my third marriage. So I'm hoping and praying and working towards making it sustainable till death do us part as I did give it as an oath. But I also said that, hey, it, it's just a number. Let's talking about age. I'm 54 years old right now. I'm not going to say that, hey, because I'm older, who says that I'm old? Like most people always I present it. that. Yeah. People think, don't, nobody thinks that I'm 54. Yes, I am 54. And, uh, but you have to be who you are, make the decisions in life as to where you want to be and come up with how you want to get to where you want to be. And my determination in life maybe because I know I cannot live alone. I still welcome and embrace being married because my own family asked me, Imelda, hang your boots. I know my cousin, Ade, told me, hang your boots at this time. I didn't know what that meant because I'm not a footballer. It's not <laughs> until they explained it to me that, hey, you need to hang your boots. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm going to keep going so long as I know that that's what I want in life and I believe and pray that it's going to work out. Keep going. Why do you want to stop? There are people out there for other people. The fact that I'm a woman who's been divorced a couple of times also, there are also men who've been divorced a couple of times. Granted, I got married to a man who's never been married before. We thank God things are working perfectly well as is for the past four years right now. So you have to be who you are and know where you are hiding. That's the first thing. If you don't know who you are and where you are going to, you will never get to anywhere. Yeah, yeah. And I like that question because I do think, and this is not just a cultural thing. I think a lot of women, no matter where, what age, I think the younger you divorce, the more likely you are to get married again. But a lot of women who want to get married again just say, I, I don't know how to put myself out there. It's as if they've completely forgotten how to do it. And the look on your face is classic. So I want, I want you to leave our listeners with tips for people who want it for how to put themselves out there. But um, there are also those who say, Tampi, I'm done. And as you're talking, I'm wondering, why marriage, right? There are all kinds of configurations of relationships. So first things first, yeah. why marriage? And then secondly, if you can give some tips for women who want to know, how do you put yourself out there, especially, you know, after maybe losing a spouse to divorce or to death? Okay, why marriage? I'll go with that first. I just believe in marriage uh, because I grew up in a family, a polygamous family, and my father has all his wives. Granted, he will go through this whole thing with them. But I believe that your companion in life is going to be whom you're married to. Your own children will grow up and leave you. Yes. And go. So being married, at least you are assured and guaranteed that you will have that companion in life that one day at least you wake up in the morning, even if you have your children, your children are sleeping in another room. Your husband will wake up in the morning and say, babe, good morning, how did you sleep? You do the same. At least somebody's asking you that question. My son comes up and asks me, mommy, how did you sleep on our night? But no, he didn't sleep with me. My husband who sleeps with me will be able to, when he sleeps and turns around and touches me and I'm there, that's fine and dandy. To me, that's my own belief, okay? Yep. Some people believe in using their pillows to serve as the man, but I don't believe in that. The Bible doesn't <laughs> say, no, 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 no. I don't believe in that at all. The Bible actually says that a man is going to leave their home and the woman will do, and then they will join together as one. Why will I be the one to live by myself? For what? No, it's not going to. Honestly speaking, I'm so serious about it. Whatever it's going to take, I will be married. 
So uh, it, it doesn't mean that I will go out and buy with money because anything that you do it without it being genuine, it's not going to last. That's my belief. Yes. So you go into it wholeheartedly. And that's why somebody can maybe listening to this will say, okay, then why did you divorce? Let me tell you, my marriages were not the one, two, three years. No, I was married for 16 years first, next time 10 years. So it's evident that these were relationships that were going to go for a while. And now I've been married for four years. If it was a relationship that was not going to pan out that long, it would have been done way back when. So again, we still put it in prayers. We're not saying that down the line, there would be temptation. That might come in to tempt either party. You are going to give mm-hmm. tips for people who, women in particular, who want to get out there and get back into the game, whether it's for marriage or companionship or whatever. So what advice do you have for anybody really? But I was especially asking for women who are in their 50s and above, because that's the population that we think for some reason are done. I don't know who told us that they're done. <laughs> right. Okay. The advice that I will give, it's probably not practically what I did per se, because my case has been different. Uh, but I know very well that there are certain avenues people can get themselves exposed to others of their own caliber, if we can say that. So the fact that you're in your 50s or you've gone through divorces doesn't mean you should shy away from the normal things you normally do. For instance, yeah. you are going to church, you are going to uh, occasions. When you're being invited, you don't go because you don't have somebody to go with. You can go with girlfriends. It's in this environment that when you go, meet up with people. For instance, if you are at work, the way you carry yourself at work, it's probably going to appeal some to someone, and that person is most probably going to talk to you if that was meant to be. So you cannot shy away from certain things and then decide that, oh, just because I'm going through this hardship in terms of relationship, I will carry myself out there like without presenting, making yourself presentable. Let me put it that way. Yeah. If you don't make yourself presentable in any relationship, the first thing is the attraction. If you don't go out there to the church, to the grocery store, to the markets, to the parties and all all whatnot, making yourself presentable, how will somebody, first of all, have a liking to you (laughs) then before they get to know your inner self? Right? Because people can see me. I'm not going to see the way I look, right? That's how I will look. I see. I'm not going to go out there looking shabby or my hair unkempt or whatever the case may be, carry yourself up to a level that you believe nobody surpasses you. That self-esteem, though, honestly, that's the driving force. If you just, oh, my gosh, you will just see somebody go just, oh, I'm running to the grocery store so I can just wear my moo-moo dress and walk to the grocery store. Why? That's what me. if when somebody would see you? Granted, <laughs> diehard believers or uh, in, in Bible, biblical saying is that, Hey, it doesn't matter how you look, but let me tell you, in this day of today, the world of today, the first attraction is the way you see each other, it's the physical attraction, before you start knowing about the inner selves, whether there's compatibility. So present yourself primarily the way you want somebody looks at you and be appealing. I will give you a simple example. When my daughter just dresses in some kind of way, I ask my son, I ask my son, will you be able to date somebody who looks like your sister? That's enough. Uh, that's enough to give her a response that, hey, change whatever you have on. Even though we're in the house, it doesn't mean you should walk around looking like a little zombie 
All right. What are those dresses sitting there for? You don't have to wear them only outside. That, but that's just me. That's, I don't know about. No, that's such a beautiful point because to be very honest, I think with this whole coronavirus thing, I've been working from home for, for some time. And I think a few days ago, I was just remarking that I might as well just give my clothes away because I have my <laughs> four outfits now on rotation, right? Three of them are covers. I think I have one on right now. Because I just I just couldn't be bothered. And you're thinking, okay, well, I the farthest place I'm going to go is my gate. So what's the point? But then before I got on this call, you know, you had asked me yesterday how you should look coming on. I was like, you know, let me just put on some perfume. I'm the only one who's going to smell it, not you. But there's something about looking good right. that makes you feel good. And I think it's good to get back in that right. space. Yeah. Because, you know, I love clothes. I love fashion. It's definitely a good. But sometimes it's like, if just roaming around this house, it's like, okay, well, I'm just going to... Um, my kaba is okay. And then after I walk it's like, no, put me down, please. <laughs> no. I take it from my husband. Initially, during this lockdown, I will just wear anything. Besides, I work from home most of the time, so I have different sets of nightgowns. <laughs> um, my kids buy me nightgowns because you know I will change from one nightgown the next day I wear the next one because I work from home. But during this corona period, as a matter of fact, my husband, every day he changes into something different. I'm wondering, like, okay, I got to be the same. And that's how I have my daughter and I have everybody else. No, you got to change. Like, you, it's your normal routine. Don't just feel like, okay, because you are home, you want to look terrible. What if somebody knocks on the door? Granted, we say people should stay away, but you don't want to present yourself looking shabby, let alone for a woman who is hoping to find somebody. I'm not saying you should go out looking, but make yourself, look at yourself in the mirror. Do you like what you see? If you like what you see, then go for it. I you see what I'm that. saying? To me, that's the moneymaker because I think if we're just talking about people who are out there, quite frankly, I don't know how much I care about that. But to your point, if you're home and you don't like what you see, that's the trigger. And exactly. With, Thank you, my daughter. That's it. Yeah. A friend and I were talking about this a few nights ago, about how we're all, we've been kind of watching ourselves and how we're changing during this period. And she was telling me, you know, she still wakes mm -hmm. up. Even if she doesn't do anything, she's going to put on some lipstick and she's going to put on her earrings. She doesn't have to wear anything nice, but she has to put on her lipstick <laughs> and her earrings. And, you know, the reflection I had oh, yeah. about that was that's somebody then who doesn't dress for other people. She dresses for herself. And so for people who, during exactly. this time when you're working from home for weeks on end, if you still wake up in the morning, you do your hair, you wear your dress, you're not going anywhere. It means you really at your core you do it for you. And that has been a very good lesson for me because it's made me question, at the end of the day, have I been dressing for me or have I been dressing for the world? Because if you're doing it for I you, see. nine out of 10 times, being at home is not going to stop you from doing the things you do, do your nails, exactly. your hair. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Thank you, my daughter. You do it for yourself. Like I said, that mirror thing is pretty much the, the the end point of it. If you look at the mirror and you like what you see, then go for it. It means that that's the way you please yourself. And that's how I do it, even be it whether I'm going out or I'm not going out. If I'm going to the grocery store, do I look okay? And the way you present yourself, and it will help you carry yourself that way. If you look depressing and you decide to walk out, you walk out looking depressing. So if you look good, 
to your own self, you will exude that goodness, yeah. that looking good out there when you are out. Yeah, and you know, people say you're received how you show up. Perfect. I like that. Yes, yeah. absolutely. That's true. Yeah. If you come in, let's suppose you are even going to a gathering, let's say a fundraiser. You show up there looking pretty much some kind of a way. First of oh. all, the seats that they will put you will not be respectable seats. Yeah. But if you're coming there suited up, I'm not saying that you should dress to impress others, but at the way you carry yourself, you got to maintain that. So first of all, satisfy your own personal self. All right. Yeah. Like, you know, I think that I do everything for myself for the most part, because I want to, like you, you already know, I'm not going to bring myself down because of my life challenges. The challenges have been there. And there might be future challenges. Yep. So what do I do going forward? I need to keep myself pleased and keep my sanity in an effort to move on with life. So I'm going to shift gears a little bit because your experience has been quite dynamic. So talked about the, the family sphere a lot. And I really like that because I think when we start talking about your career, it just gives you this color, right? It's, it's so full. You do so many things. So talk, talk to, to me a little bit more about what you do. So you're, you're in data analytics, you're an instructor, but you do a lot of different things. You have your blog yes. now. You know, I am one of those that sometimes I even ask my kids, like I'm joking, like, what is that that I don't know? And what is it that I really know the best? Mm-hmm. My daughter, I don't know. Because I know every, every, I dabble into anything and it works. It's always worked. I don't know if God has been on my side. Maybe I did something right and God is blessing me. But from a career perspective, I've been everything. Coming into this country from Cameroon, I knew very well I was going to do computers. You and I know almost all Africans start up in nursing. They wind up in nursing. I am one of those, the few, one of the few whom during the 80s that I showed up in the U.S., are doing what they love to do and what they came here to do. But granted, it doesn't mean that I did not do the little jobs like a nursing assistant or whatever. So I still, and I still maintain my certifications in those areas. Yeah. I still maintain my CPR. I chime in. If my husband has an agency, I will go in and do the necessary things as a nursing assistant, even though at a doctoral level, it really doesn't matter degrees. But at the end of the day, what satisfies you is what matters. So coming in from a career perspective, I knew I was going to do computers. I delved right into it, and I became a database administrator, a data analyst, a programmer, and I kept moving. And over the years, coming from a background where my father has been an instructor, I believe that the one best thing you can do for anyone in this world is to at least educate them or help them know something. I had that passion to disseminate what I've learned as well as what I've experienced from a corporate environment to others. And that's how I got into teaching because of my father. And I have this saying that your education and knowledge are fundamental attributes of your future and a shield to all life challenges. Yeah. I mean, if you dissect that very well, you will realize that being educated, being knowledgeable about something would get you going in every direction in this world. So my, that really was my main trigger for my educational career, that I used my educational background to start disseminating what I know to other students, and I'm still a diehard teacher. And that even motivated me to have my doctorate degree in higher education leadership uh, with a focus on instructional technologies. So I'm applying my computers that I learned yeah. over time 
into it. But in addition to that, I work in corporate environment as well, because again, just learning things theoretically, really the applicability of that particular theory is not the same. Yeah. So with time, when I realize that I'm lagging in my technological savviness, I go right back into corporate. I do it hands down, you know, all hands on deck, get everything done. Then I get that uh, particular practical experience, go back and teach students. In addition to that, knowing fully well that teaching is a noble profession, the pay is not that good. I will not tell you a lie. People who teach is because they are passionate, passionate about, about sharing. Yeah. We don't get paid. If I tell somebody that I make 60, 70,000, they look at me like, my God, with all what you know. So you look at different avenues to supplement your income. Uh, I, am an, I am an entrepreneur. I, as a matter of fact, a real estate mogul. I made myself a real estate mogul um, where I invest in real estate properties. In addition to that, there are other investment aspects that I am attuned to. I'm into them. You cannot stay and be confident with the status quo. You got to spread your tentacles knowing fully well where you put them in an effort to get things going. So I just believe that one thing I've never, I would not tell you that I've never had one job in my life and everybody will attest to it. So in addition to me teaching, I have my business that I'm running. Yeah. And I, if you have a good number of tenants you have to deal with, it's a headache. <laughs> the problem that with a, in a moment like this that is COVID related, yeah. they all text me, oh, I wouldn't be able to pay my rent. It's understood. But at least to maintain the lifestyle that you want, to maintain supporting your family, my, all of this I do is for my family so that I can continue helping. I pick up one, two or three kids back in Cameroon. I pay their school fees. I give scholarships to a whole school for three years. That is statistically proven. Then in addition to that, I continue to still maintain my own sanity. You have to be strong enough and be blessed to be able to handle those things. Yeah. And I continue to thank God for giving me that energy to continue to do this thing, to support others. I don't want to be a billionaire. I want to be comfortable. And that's what everybody else to strive towards doing and whatever you do support others yep. pick up one or two people i don't care if you're adopting them i don't care if you're just just sending something to help someone if need be please do because that's how you get blessed and i believe that's where i've gotten my blessing so far yeah yeah no, that's phenomenal that's you are coming up on time here but i do want to talk about some fun yes. stuff in addition to all the fun that we've talked about so we're just going to throw some questions at you and you tell me, you just, you know, whatever answers come to your mind. So what Hi. do you, what do, oh you do? <laughs> so what do you do for fun? Okay. What I do for fun, it's a question that really, I'll start with what I like to do. Yeah. I ride motorcycles. I am one person that I you believe do. in doing things that nobody else does. So yeah. I am a very daring person and I love challenge. So I ride motorcycles. Granted, right now I don't ride, but that's something that I love doing. So currently, what do I do for fun? I love dancing. I love hanging out with the kids. I'll play funny games like play cards, play manjang, you know, yep. the stones, yep. and um, go out and dance. I lock myself in the house Monday to Friday because I work from home as an instructor. So my weekends are things that I don't want anybody to tamper with. Be it whether I'm going to my meetings, my social gatherings, or I'm going to something that I'm invited to come either be an MC or just to be a guest or to be somebody who wants to patronize that. I'm that kind of a person. I love to travel. 
And that's one thing that I would like to continue doing. Mm-hmm. Traveling is something that is part of me. So those are the things that I really like to do. Spending a lot of time with the children yep. is something I really like. Staying in touch with family, one good thing about me. But my fun time right now is sometimes I just go up to my room. I change from one dress to another, one dress to another, just to get myself happy with the things that I think make me happy. All right? Oh so my gosh, I love that's that. That's just me. So you just, like, you just go through your closet trying on your clothes? Oh, yes. <laughs> for, for two reasons. First is to see if my weight is still the same. Uh, you can see me um, yep. soon. My kids and I will go out walking. It's to maintain the shape. So if I have clothes that I've had way back in the 80s, so I'll try to fit those things. That's the determinant of whether I'm just going larger than what I am, so fat in essence, or I'm staying <laughs> trim. Like, oh yeah, I would go in, I tried on some clothes that I wore during my traditional marriage. They were all tight. They fit, no doubt, but I cannot sit down. Oh. So that tells me that I need to work on my weight. Yes. And start doing it. So yes, I take time. I just go up to my closet and I just try things that are there. That's one thing I need to learn how to do is to be frivolous. Because for me, even my downtime is spent, I don't read as much anymore. My downtime, I do mama talk talk for one thing. And I'm always playing catch up with something. It's, 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 and a lot of it, I have, the family is back in the U.S. So I play a lot of catch up with calling yeah. family, calling friends. So I'm just sitting here thinking, what is my equivalent of, just going to the closet and changing clothes. Now you make me want to go in there and try on every yeah. dress that I bought that I have not worn. That's right. Just because. I love that. Um, exactly. What was the hardest thing about growing up in a polygamous home? Honestly, I will instead talk about the, the benefits, uh, but I'll try to see if I can come up with the hardest thing. Okay, okay yeah, let well, me that, share that's with you. That's good because I just exposed <clears throat> my bias, right? I should have asked both because we automatically assume that Polygamous homes are not right. I'm open my own to hear this. Oh, no. Honestly, I think there are more benefits to a polygamous home, again, if there are no, there's relatively no fighting in it amongst the women, per se. Us, the children, we were together as one. So we eat in one bowl, one plate, we eat a chew in one leaf, all of us. That is the best moment in life. We play games because we are many children. We go around, we run around, we play games together. Uh, I believe that that's really what I love growing up in a polygamous home. And maybe that has been the premise of me always wanting to be with people. And because I've always been with somebody, maybe from the get-go today anyway. So I think I love the polygamous environment or more so the many children. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not from, remember, I will explain this from a child's standpoint. I don't yes. know how my parents were doing it. Maybe they were fighting on the back end. We, we very seldom see that. We might see the fights one or two times around, but we love ourselves as brothers and sisters. Yeah. So that's one thing that I love. Now, from a negative side of things is when you think about it growing up before you start analyzing that your stepmother, who was trying to help you out, by scolding at you or giving you one whooping or the other. And you thought that the person was doing that because, oh, I'm not that person's direct child yeah. or biological child. Then later on, you grew up in life, realized that when that woman's own children started growing up, she scolded them equally. That was a lesson learned to me. That, mm. hey, sometimes there is this thing about us, we quickly rush to conclusion when we realize that somebody who's not directly related to us is trying to help us 
we think that they are scolding us because we are not the family member. Then when you turn around, see them do the same thing to their own direct children, then you come to that realization that, you know what? Really, it wasn't the way that you thought about it. So yeah. to me, I like that setup of uh, polygamy as a child. But I don't think I would condone to my husband getting married to I someone. I don't see you yeah. doing that. <laughs> no, I don't think, that, I think you can oh share the house with another woman. <laughs> no, it will not work. It will not work. But like even right now, I have four children. My husband has four. So I have, it, it's a whole house full. We, there are eight children. So I love that setting. Yeah. So it doesn't necessarily mean from, it have to be from the parent's standpoint. But I love the many children around. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Andy, thank you so much. Any, okay. any, any parting wisdom for all the people listening out there? What, what would you like to tell them as we all hold hands, well, figuratively speaking, going through this time? I would will, I will say that as we are going through this corona moment, this is a time for us to sit and reflect and think about ourselves and reach out to family. At least don't just send text messages. Pick up the phone if you can make a phone call. We do have access to WhatsApp this day. Call one or two people every day and just to check on them because you don't know what they're going through. Yeah. And above all, make sure that you maintain your own sanity in an effort to help those that are around you. And by so doing, you put everything in God's hands to make sure that you are blessed. So people should stay strong, stay safe. And uh, take all the precautions that uh, the World Health Organization is giving out there as the CDC. And again, stay in touch and put everything in God's hands. We will all get through this together. We will. We will. Thank you so, so much. It was more than I, I had asked for. And I really appreciate <laughs> you can come back anytime and tell us more. Because I thank know this, this did not even cover half of what we wanted to talk about. So thank you so much. <laughs> All right. Thank you for the opportunity. God bless you. Absolutely. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Please share your thoughts in the comment section or by emailing ab at mamatalktalk.com. Continue the conversation in your homes and communities. And when you join us next week, invite a friend or many. For more diverse perspectives on everyday issues from everyday people around the globe, subscribe to our podcast at mamatalktalk.com forward slash a different take and join our online community by following us on Twitter and Instagram. Until we meet again, I'm your host, AB Mambo, Sigashina. Stay well. <laughs>